You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole coming at you from Matheson, Massachusetts. And I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing. And with me, as she is every single week, the keeper of keys and grounds at Key House, Christy Morris. Well, hello and what an amazing title. I am uh, very proud to be the keeper of the keys and all of the magic. Yes. Well, as you should be. Uh, and so we're excited because, um, you know, we're going to be wrapping up a TV show that we've been following uh, since it started there on Netflix, Lock and Key. We're going to be talking about season three, which they have decided to bring to a close here. This season is a third season, which we'll talk about whether or not we felt that was a good idea and everything. But before we dive into all of that, we would just like to thank you for joining us. And we would really encourage you. We'd love to interact with you. Have you following us over on Twitter at the 602 Club. Of course, we're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. Help out the podcast by making sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. And that way you'll get the shows as soon as they drop. We're going to be bringing back Assembling Avengers here uh, as well in the fall. So you'll want to make sure you're getting those episodes as well. It's all on the same feed. Of course, you can also help us out by giving us star ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts or something like Spotify, which we would really appreciate because we are hitting 400 episodes here very soon. And help us out. Help the show grow. We haven't had any new reviews in quite a while, especially on Apple Podcasts. So uh, do that for us. We would really appreciate that. And of course, uh, you could find us all over the place, uh, social media wise on like, say, Facebook with the entire network at facebook.com slash track FM. There's a listeners only discussion group there you can join as well. We've got the website at trek.fm where you can see all of the shows we're doing. There's a contact section if you'd like to send us an email. And of course, if you love what we do here on the network and you want to make sure that keeps happening we would appreciate if you go to patreon.com slash trek fm and see how you can be part of our team uh there's just no way that the host here uh can put all of this on by ourselves and it definitely has been a rough few years uh, as i know it has been for everyone and so any support that you could give us would be greatly appreciated so go to patreon.com slash trek fm so Christy, something that I hadn't even thought about putting on the outline until I started talking there, which was the idea that we didn't know, you know, how many seasons this show would go. It's based off a comic book. And so, you know, there was definitely stuff for them to be able to pull from. But they had decided, Netflix did, that season three would be the end. And so as we come into season three and we're going to, you know, be spoiling it rotten. So if you haven't watched the season and you don't mind, that's great if you have pause it and go back but how were you feeling just kind of coming in knowing this was the final season and did you feel like that was like maybe the right choice for this show or you were you had you hoped for more 
Well, I think definitely if there's a show that you like, you always hope that there's more. But I think that also because you and I have also been fans of shows that didn't get the ending that they deserved, um, you don't want them to jump the shark, as they say. You want a show to get a proper conclusion. And so um, coming into this, finding out that it was going to be the final season, it felt maybe a little soon initially before I watched the season. But then um, really, it seems like if you think about the momentum that this kind of show has had with the way the episodes are written, it makes sense that it wouldn't have a lot of seasons um, because they really do a lot in every episode, I feel. So um, I think that as far as the length, it's ended in a good place. Yeah, I, I think... All of these type of shows to me that that do very serialized storytelling, you know, um, and and of course, yeah, we've talked about that whole idea of um, with Stranger Things, you know, and everything about, you know, mm -hmm. how many seasons do you want this to go? And, you know, um, what's going to be best for the show? And when you're doing this kind of storytelling, it's really, I think, important for you to kind of know what your end game is, you might not know all of the pieces on how to get there, but having a picture in your mind as a creator of, of where you want that to go lets you know how many seasons you'll need to tell that type of story. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it's, you know, it's one of the things that made uh, JK Rowling so successful uh, with uh, Harry Potter is she knew the end of her story. She knew how to write there. There are things that changed you know, people that didn't die that did. And then, you know, people that did die in her original thoughts didn't die. And, you know, so it's like mm -hmm. there are things that happen, like as you're writing stories. But uh, having that end place in mind uh, lets you know exactly where you want to go. And so it, it it seemed at least if the creators themselves thought that there might be more this season, I would say specifically, does very much feel like they knew exactly how they wanted to bring it all together and, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of move forward, which I, I think maybe, you know, a topic to, to really dive into is the fact that they bring this all together with all the things that they brought in to life, brought to life in season one and season two. This season felt like. I don't know if you agree, but it felt like a smaller season in mm -hmm. the sense that they weren't adding anything. They were just taking all the pieces they had laid out in the board and finding a way to kind of fit them into a puzzle that you hopefully enjoy the picture of by the time that they're done. Did you feel that way? Yeah, actually. And you made me think about it a little more by saying that, that there weren't any new characters introduced in this season. It was all characters that we've been dealing with in the, in the last two. Um, and really the only thing new here was some new keys, um, which we'll get to soon. But I think that it does make it a better season, especially being the last one that they don't try to add in a million new things. So yes, I agree that it felt smaller, um, but in a good way. Um, and I mean, definitely, I think that you need to have a proper conclusion for everyone you've already introduced and find a way to 
wrap up those stories rather than divulging into more. Well, and yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because it's one of the things that the writers for Stranger Things have mentioned that as they go into the final season, which is the final season, they've said, Mm -hmm. uh, that they aren't looking to add anything else. It's to be spending time with the characters they already have, so they're wrapping that up. And I I think, you know, as you watch Lock and Key Season 3, you can definitely tell that they are trying to bring conclusion and and, uh, a feeling of wholeness to the series by I think trying to touch on some things that I didn't ever necessarily think you know they would do like the fact that you know they bring Dodge back one last time with the time travel key mm-hmm. and she begins to cause some mayhem but at the same time by bringing her back they also kind of accentuate just how bad Gideon is as a character because well, he wants to end our world and she just kind of wants to live in our meat world, you know, (laughs) which I thought that was a really great way of juxtaposing these two villains to, to show how one is way worse than the other. Yeah. And, you know, initially it felt, um, when you see Gideon interact with, um, Bodhi as Dodge, basically, it doesn't feel as threatening at the beginning of that. Um, And I think that they do a better job as it goes along of really using that actor um, doing such a great job portraying Dodge in, you know, a little boy. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But um, they do such a great job of having him show how Dodge is afraid of Gideon and wants Mm -hmm. to do everything possible to prevent what Gideon is trying to make happen. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it really honestly speaks to the skill of the actor playing Bodie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I heartily agree. I think, um, you know, it, it was fun um, to to be able to have the character back and kind of give them, you know, I think some some resolution in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think this whole season kind of comes a little bit down to the idea of creating some redemption for characters, which is, which is interesting. And so, you know, with, with Dodge as a character, you actually are creating a slight amount of, it's not really uh, redemption, but it does change your view on the character a little bit. And I think that, that is what is interesting. Um, and then on top of that, and something I did not expect whatsoever, was the fact that, you know, you are finding redemption for a character that I don't know anybody would have picked up or thought about really necessarily. But Sam, you know, the character who murders Wendell at the, you know, the behest of Dodge in the first place that starts this whole story Mm -hmm. ends up finding redemption in the eyes of all of the locks, which I think might be just one of the most beautiful parts of this story. Because what I, what I kind of 
what I think it's akin to is is somebody who found themselves on drugs mm-hmm. and became a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And they are still responsible for their actions, but at the same time, they weren't quite themselves either. Mm-hmm. And so I loved that we use this story to help their like this this whole thing it it's it's a lot about Sam finding redemption with their with the family but it's also this whole story seems to be about rebuilding the Lockhart you know every part of the family kind of having their heart rebuilt after that mm-hmm. tragic incident and this is one part of that because by finding forgiveness for Sam, it allows them to let go of any of that anger or resentment towards him and it frees them. And I think that's a really beautiful part of the story. And, you know, I also have a slightly different view about how that went down. Um, I definitely agree that they needed some way to move on. Um, The only somewhat discomfort I had with that was it almost felt like they were saying that um I don't know like possibly like murderers are just misunderstood <laughs> and it's like ah I don't know if I'd say that <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah I, but I, I get what I you're do, saying yeah I do see what you're saying but I I think I think that one of the things that they they build into this season is to show the the relationship between the locks and the keys and everybody else in the keys and the way in which the keys have these effects on people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for Sam, there is the effect of dodge on him plus the keys that kind of drive him to a place that I think Again, he takes full responsibility for his actions. Right. And yet, I do think that there, you know, um, there like is also. Was, it's like he was possessed. It's somewhat, yes. But he never, he never allows that to um, say that he's not responsible. A- again, mm-hmm. I think the, the the closest I could come to is somebody who does terrible things when they happen to be really high on some sort of hallucinogenic drug and they're still responsible for the actions, but there's also a big part of them that there's, you know, wasn't logical at the time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so, you know, I, I think to me, that's just something that's, that's quite interesting in the story. And, um, but and that's where I also felt like it's very true to life, which if you harbor resentment and anger towards somebody and you can't find a way to forgive them, that has a deleterious effect on you. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and and so I think a big part of this was the locks 
that are left being able to come to a place where they can let go of that with Sam. Mm -hmm. And part of that helps is because he's, he's actually and actively working towards some kind of redemption because he is remorseful of his actions. He takes responsibility, all of those things. And so therefore, as he helps them, you know, they see him then as the, the person that he was before all that happened. Right. And so, right. you know, I think that's a, that's a really um, beautiful kind of part to the story, which, you know, I would say one of the, the biggest themes that I feel like this show really hit and it hit through, I think pretty much every single character in the show in one way or another, but there's probably three of the biggest characters you see it happen with, which is Nina and Tyler and Ellie. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea of the past and dealing with your past and for each one, it's slightly different. So what I loved for for Nina and, and having been somebody who has made some big mistakes in my life that you have to find a way to kind of journey through and find forgiveness from for yourself and from others. Because when you look back at those events and you kind of look at who you were then in reality, not through any kind of rose-colored glasses or, you know, making yourself better than you should be in that moment. You really see who you were. It can be hurtful and painful and, and, and all of those things. And the big part of that is because of who you were then. The actions that you took, the mm-hmm. way they impacted others, the way they hurt others, the way they may have harmed other people's lives and so for nina to kind of have the opportunity to actually go back specifically witness those moments when her drinking had really impacted her family and see them for how they and what they were but then find a way to forgive herself for them because she can actually then see the difference of who she is at this moment. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really beautiful thing. And and it, it just, it's such a big part of this storyline for her. And I felt like it was really smart of them when we're talking about the past for these characters, for her to be able to kind of come full circle from where she started to where she is now. It was a wonderful thing to do because this character has changed immensely over the three seasons. Yeah, I think Nina's journey to me was the biggest meaningful piece of this season, um, aside from obviously Rendell's as well. Um, but especially too, I like that you connected that dot that you know it's personal for you because it was for me as well. Um, having a relative who is an addict is incredibly hard to deal with sometimes and you're kind of grieving who you thought they would be um and that they may never be the ideal person in your mind that you wish that they were um speaking as someone who's they're still going through it currently and have not um recovered or become sober um 
And so I absolutely found so much meaning in Nina's story here and in her journey of self-discovery and seeing, I definitely never want to go back to being that way. And look how far I've come. And I really like how they showed how it looked differently through um, Kinsey's eyes than the way she saw herself in those moments. You know, I love that they had Kinsey say, I remember some really beautiful moments from my childhood. So don't take that away. You know, like, right, give right. yourself some credit. Mm-hmm. You weren't always yeah. bad. <laughs> um, and you're an incredible mom to us all now. And, mm-hmm. you know, thank goodness we still have you. So, yeah, I, well, I teared and, up. <laughs> and I think the beauty in that, too, is that there's the importance to not get lost in in wallowing and self-pity mm-hmm. or any of those type of things, because that's not helpful. And that's definitely what Kinsey was kind of, I think, doing a good job of, war- you know, um, warning her mother about, right? Uh, because... That isn't helpful, you know, and, and, and in many ways, that's actually, as she mentioned her mom, it's like you're relapsing in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's the danger of that, because you can get caught in this loop of um, self-hatred and all of those type of things, which isn't good, right? Especially right. when, you know, people in your life have forgiven you and moved on, uh, you know, for you to not forgive yourself in many ways kind of put yourself above them. Mm-hmm. And if they're willing to forgive you, you should be willing to forgive yourself. And so, you know, I think that's a really important thing. So, yeah, I mean, Nina moving forward. And, and then I think, too, it's 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 what allows her to be able to be uh, willing and ready to kind of move on with Josh, too. Right. You oh, know, yeah. it, it, because she's in a much healthier place, which, you know, with Tyler and specifically with his past, you know, for him, it's a little bit different because, and it became more acute, really, because he couldn't actually remember things as they had actually happened in his desire to not remember magic. Mm-hmm. And if you're not actually even able to remember the past accurately, no true growth can happen because the only way to grow from the past is to be able to accept the truth of what happened and work from that foundation of truth to find a way to overcome that. And that's different for all different types of things that happen, whether it's the loss of a loved one, like for him, you know, uh, where he lost Jackie and, you know, and then of course, when you're not actually dealing with the truth, you become angry at the wrong things and the wrong people. You know, he was angry at Kinsey. He's angry at his family, you know, because he feels like he's being left out of things and all that. And so when we actually block the truth of the things that happened, we find ourselves unable to be able to move forward because we're stuck, because we're not actually dealing with the truth of the matter. And Mm -hmm. this this really um, I think they did a great job with playing that out with Tyler. And I, I really liked that, too, because. You know, this is another part of either making mistakes or having bad things happen to you where if you don't do this right, it can have a negative effect not only on you, but everyone around you. 
Yes. Oh, exactly. And the fact that you can't continue to hang on to something, like you were saying, you know, you have to be able to deal with that truth and then let it go or else it's going to continue to bother you and haunt you for the rest of your life. You know, I like that they had, I think it was Bodie say, um, or maybe it was Tyler that you have, you'll always carry the past with you, but it's how you deal with it that matters. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get rid of it. It happened. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent agree with you. And I think uh, it's it's also the thing that, you know, we we see with Ellie, who is having to deal with the reality that she was in that alternate dimension yeah. for a period of time where she missed so much. And the fear that then that then causes her the dealing with trying to be back in Matheson. And then, of course, even dealing with her past, with her friendships, you know, with Gordy and with Wendell and with everyone else, you know, that was a part of the original Keepers of the Keys and uh, trying to work through all of that. I mean, you know, Ellie's had a lot of trauma. Yeah. And so dealing with that trauma is not an easy thing to do. And so I think, again, this is another place where the show does a very good job of really nailing this theme because, you know, they also do it with Bodie, too, with, you know, him and thought that his, you know, dad might be, quote unquote, replaced. Yeah. All those. And so him having to deal with the past. I mean, and. In many ways, everybody's having to do that. I think Kinsey might be the most healthy of all of them, really, at this point, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's not quite necessarily dealing with that um, other than, you know, the loss of, uh, you know, having her boyfriend be uh, overseas. Otherwise, you know, most of these characters are having to come to grips with something in their past and work through that. And I, I think... It's it's a it's a really nice story because I think so many of us have found ourselves in places like some of these major characters, and there is a really good and I think healthy uh, understanding in the show of what it takes to actually try to get over those type of things. Right, and to basically, you have to actually deal with the problem in order to then move on from them. Um, so I, I just really appreciated that they continued to show um, well, and, and be willing to really take a minute to lean into that. I think, actually, it's funny that the times where the show, to me, feels a little bit like all fluff is when they're moving too, too quickly through things and not really giving it a, a beat to like sit in that moment and feel your feelings. But the times that they do slow it down and focus on how a scene makes the characters feel is when it's the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, this season moves pretty quickly, but I, I think by not really adding, as we mentioned, anything to the season other than dealing with all the things that they'd already put on the board, they're able to do that in a way that I felt like you deal with, and you feel satisfied mm-hmm. with 
by the end of the show. So, um, which, interestingly enough, as always, we get some new keys. And yes. um, so we had some fun new keys. And um, what were what were your favorites? I think we had the plant key, the time travel key, the animal key, creation key, and then the Harlequin chest key. So actually, I don't know that I had a favorite key as much as the way that they are all always hidden which is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like it even has something to do with how they're used. Like the snowflake or snow globe key was found in the freezer. Oh, I totally forgot about the snow globe key. Goodness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and uh, I thought that it was funny that the Harlequin key was hidden in a card, like uh, a deck of cards with the Joker's card. Um, that was funny. Um but yeah, I mean, probably the creation key, I guess, would be the coolest one to me because, I mean, to be able to draw anything you can think of and it come to life off the page is pretty cool. I, well, I mean, they were just drawing anywhere, too. Like, they drew a, well, she drew a motorcycle on the street, which she was drew pretty a door. awesome. Yeah, I mean, it. I think all of them, was, uh, for the most part, were pretty neat. I mean, um, you know, the idea, I think everybody thinks of the idea of wanting to turn into some kind of animal and be able to experience that, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if any of them kind of felt like eh, it was probably the plant key, um, right. just because, you know, how exciting is that? Uh, but I mean, even the, the snow globe key, the idea that you could experience the fun of snow anytime is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Until you, you get know, stuck uh, there forever. It, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and, you know, that I thought it was neat, the time travel key, the idea that it had set in itself these rules so that you couldn't create really the paradox that you think of when time travel, you know, because if anything mm. comes to, you know, the wrong time, it gets reset. So things, you know, don't change. I thought that was cool. You know, I think um, that the only thing I would say you know, uh, that I was kind of annoyed with was just the way in which Bodhi takes the time travel key and is just really dumb with it in the first place. Um, you know, and I feel like Bodhi being a a kid who has read a lot of, and, and you get the feeling like he's read a lot of, um, you know, fantasy books and that kind of stuff, science fiction and whatnot that he he would understand what to do in time travel and what not to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so his actions while using it really kind of drove me crazy. Uh, and so, you know, uh, otherwise, though, I just thought all of them were really fun um, for the most part. And like you said, the creation key, just that's that's just kind of a great fun idea that you could uh, be able to draw something and bring it to life you know um yeah mm-hmm. i just that's such a fun like i just imagine like and apparently you don't even have to really be a good artist like it understands your intention of what you're trying to draw which is, is <laughs> kind of creepy and, and a little bit scary too so and then i was also thinking i guess you have to draw it with the key to make it work because i was thinking to myself could you just do that to any drawing you know, and like, or could you trace something and it make it come to life, you know? So mm. like if you have like a poster or whatever and, you know, you like 
trace James Bond on your poster? Does he come to life? Um, you know, if you so use anyway, the key, I guess so. I, that's what I'm saying. I just, <laughs> there's so much you could do. So yeah. I just think that would be really cool. Um, well, I, you know, a big part of the show, of course, was the 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 getting rid of Gideon, defeating the villain, and. Um, here I, I wanted to know how you felt about the way that happened, the way we get his end, uh, the fact that his whole desire really once he got out and realized, you know, where he was and everything was to actually bring his world to our world and basically, you know, annihilate our world. Um, and so h- how did that all work for you here, you know, bringing this all to a close? So I do think there were some areas that, just the writing of his character needed a little bit more going on. Um, but then again, with the season being the way it was, where would you fit it in? Um, but it did seem like they're trying to make him seem so threatening and then never really get to show him showing off what he's capable of. Um, you know, he does some things, but it's mostly just that like, he's kind of on a murderous rage. Um, rather than being like, this is why Dodge is so afraid of him or something. And um, I do think it's cool, though, that they have him come across being able to bring his world into ours by happenstance grabbing all of the keys together in one hand and seeing that a crack appeared between the worlds. Um, So that was cool. Um, But ultimately, I think you can see with his character that the, the main desire is that he wants and worships absolute power and that that means that anything and anyone he will use as a means to that end and doesn't care what happens to them um and i mean really kind of surprised me how gruesome it got with him scalping the librarian so uh yeah i I mean i guess that's a little bit showing of what he can do but it it didn't show his powers as much as he's just a deplorable Mm -hmm demon um but i I think it also shows that that's what the keys originated in Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. ultimately the keys are evil and that it he even says they're one of his kind Mm -hmm. so i think he is alluding to possibly the the keys are possessed by demons as well Mm -hmm. yeah no 100 percent. i i think you're just nailing it there because his connection with the keys is really important because his connection with that world, the fact that he's the strongest of these demons, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this idea that there is this, you know, I, I think it's interesting, the whole idea that there is this supernatural world that would love to take over our world and all those kind of things and, um, and, and have an influence on our world in that way. And what I, I thought was fascinating and, and what you said was really cool um, is the way in which, these demonic keys have an influence on our characters so you can do some good things with them right but mm-hmm. in the end they are actually corrupting agents yeah and that so by defeating the villain it wasn't just by killing gideon but it was actually and and getting rid of somebody who just worships you know like you said absolute power and everything and will do anything to get it but it's also by giving up that type of power and desire for it, which the keys give you, that this, uh, mm-hmm. this creation power, basically, this, this control over nature in a way that is unnatural, that we are not meant to have, because 
they're literally demonic, right? In this mm-hmm. in this series, and so there's such a, a a beautiful thing of of these keys promise you kind of the same thing of an Adam and Eve type of promise, like you're going to get something really good, right? right? And it turns out to be evil, right? It turns mm-hmm. out to be something that destroys everything. And the keys, in many ways, they promise these good things, but really what they do is corrupt and they kind of find their way uh, into your mind and into your heart and give you this sense of superiority and all these things that which we see with Wendell, he talked about, with Bodhi, even talked about, and that it, you know, they're having the discussion about whether or not they should get rid of the keys. And, and Bodhi's like, but they but they do so much good. And Kinsey's like, but do they really? You know, right. when we really think about all the people who have died because of the keys um, and because of playing with powers to which we shouldn't have any desire to play with, mm-hmm. basically playing God, um, we see that over and over again. It's, you know, stories here in the 602 Club where that is so dangerous. And so that defeating the villain is not just defeating Gideon, who is this terrible, awful villain who wants to destroy our world, but it's defeating the part of us that wants control over our world that we are not meant to have control over our world in that way. And mm-hmm. that's, in many ways, the true villain, right? Because it was meddling and powers we're not meant to meddle with that got this started in the first place. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We are so on the same page. It it definitely is this whole playing God and dealing with temptation theme. Um, and actually, I, I even thought of the scene where they use the mirror key again. And every time someone uses it, you see a version of yourself beckoning you to come in. Yep. It's exactly yep. what every key is doing to you. That's why they mm-hmm. whisper to you to come and find them because mm-hmm. it's a temptation. Yeah. And it's it's yep. beckoning you to do things that you shouldn't be doing, but you feel this mm-hmm. pull like you can't get away from it. Yes. 100%. 100%. And it actually reminds me of uh, the screw tape letters uh, in some way, uh, in the way in which the two demons talk about the way in which they trick humanity into to doing the things that they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, to you know, it's it's so absolutely no, it's phenomenal. Um, well, a big part of the the ends of the series, and we kind of talked about it a little bit there, but this idea of letting go, and for the locks, that means them letting go of the keys, and this whole series, you know, this started with losing Rendell. And now it is about letting go of him in a way that allows them to be able to move on with their lives in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that this was beautiful because in some in in, in in each one of them had to let go of the their father and or you know their husband uh, so that they could finally move on and. Uh, you know, I think that this was really nicely done because you get that beautiful last scene where they use the time travel key one more time and they visit him. They get to talk to him. 
um, you know, uh, and because of the rules of the, you know, the time travel key, they're not ruining anything, but they get that one last moment with him where, you know, he tells them that the if he could go back, Rendell would change things because the true magic wasn't the keys. It was fan- his family. And there's a such a beauty in that because that is the magic of life is community and family. And so, um, you know, for them to be able to hold on to that instead of magic and then be able to use that as a stepping stone to move on with their lives, you know, I mean, it's, it was, I think, really well done. Yeah, I, this really got to me as well, sort of like the storyline with Nina, um, because it is teaching them that um, they needed to let go proverbially of more than just one thing. Um, They definitely more than anything needed to let go of the um, grief that they had over losing Rendell and then also the letting go of the keys and the desire for things that they shouldn't be doing anyway. Um, And I love that they finally got that moment to really go back and say goodbye to Rendell because I think that the reason that scene got to me so much as well is what one of us wouldn't have someone in our lives that we've lost that we would love one more goodbye with, you know? Um, And so it just makes you think of all the people that you've loved that you've lost that it's like, wow, you know, it reminds you again of how precious life is and how short it is. Um, And that ultimately they're saying here as well, Rendell is saying to all of them that are still around, you have to be present and stop worrying about something like the keys to try and get you through things. You know, you have to deal with issues that come up in life, but also live your life and stop just rushing through it Um, and looking to find things to make it easier. Sometimes life is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that you are 100% right in that, you know, life is difficult. And, you know, part of life is us learning how to let go of things instead of holding on to them. And, you know, obviously, I think one of the uh, Hallmark stories in that is is the one of Anakin Skywalker of not being able to let go of things and how that can completely damage one's life and the lives of others, maybe a whole galaxy. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, to be able to let go in a way that is healthy, that allows you to then move forward based on the fact that you've dealt with the things in your past in a healthy way um, because you've done it with the work based on the truth of what happened and all of those things. I mean, I think again, the thematic elements of this series, I think really wrap wrap up well. And I really appreciated the, the the work that they had put into again, you're going to craft the last season. What you want it to do is you want it to bring it to a close, everything that you've already said on the board. And I think, you know, this is one of the ways in which they do that. Mm-hmm. The other way that they do that is with a long farewell and the fact that 
half this episode is devoted to kind of defeating Gideon, letting go of the keys. But the rest of the episode is really about um, and allows you to spend time with the characters and where they're moving on to. And so how did you feel about that? Did you feel like that was a good way to be able to end this show? And did it leave you with the touchy feelies or did you maybe want something else? I think that it was ended the right way because ultimately I think if they had left it hanging where they just had that scene with Rendell and then it ended that you're possibly thinking there could be another season Um, or that, you know, even if they say this is the final season sometime in the future, they might come back and tell more or something. So I like that they added this extra piece of, wrapping up Mm -hmm. where all of the characters are after that moment because they're kind of showing you as well no this is definitely the conclusion um but leaving it on a high note and so i like that we get the the wrap-up with kinsey especially getting to finally see her boyfriend um again and getting to sort of figure out what their future might look like um And then I do like that they have Nina moving on with Josh and Mm -hmm. Bodie really accepting him as well and not feeling any more like his father is being replaced, but that he's got a new friend. Yeah, I felt like this was really smart because what it allowed us to do is to actually see that by them letting go of magic their lives actually became more magical. Yeah. In the sense that they were able to actually have things that they couldn't have as well before that. I mean, you know, Tyler with his new girlfriend, if you still have magic around, how do you bring her into that? All those questions, you know, with mm-hmm. with Kinsey, um, you know, being able to let go of everything that's happening in Matheson and have the possibility of moving away. Like you said, Nina being able to, to accept Josh and everything. And again, magic could have been something that kind of ruined that relationship in the end. Uh, you know, even you get Ellie being able to finally accept being back here in this place where people do love her and want her there and where she has been missed, um, you know, as a coach, you know, mm-hmm. all of that I thought was just really, really beautiful. And, and it, it really fit the, the bringing this together. And, you know, there's nothing wrong. I don't think with ending a story where it's basically happily ever after, you know, I think that, we live in a world that needs more stories that end like that to just be able to enjoy to um to have had fun with mhm and um so i'm just very thankful that that this story finds a way to bring all of these beautiful thematic elements to a close in a way that leaves your heart feeling kind of happy the characters and just about life in general and and i think that's exactly what this show needed you know um i think we had mentioned um before like the biggest thing is we just wanted this to end well and you know i guess the question then becomes uh for you christy did it end well what would you rate lock and key season three and you rhymed 
I, I, you know, <laughs> it sometimes, you know, um, you know, they, that's why they pay me nothing for this show. Right. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So although there were some things I would have changed, um, I do still feel that this was a very emotional last season and ended well. I think that mm-hmm. you want so much for something that you've enjoyed the first two out of three seasons to wrap things up in a meaningful way that also doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it's either rushed or leaves things out. Um, and that it just feels like it's wrapping up in a good place and I'm content with it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, you know, like I said, kind of the, the only small weaknesses were the um, I wish there had been a little bit more ferocity to Gideon's character showing like his power capabilities. Um, and I kind of felt like the new girl that was playing Tyler's girlfriend, the character just didn't seem to be fully worked out. Um, like I, I wasn't sure, you know, where she even came from. It was just kind of, oh, she's there. Um, so there's, there were some things like that, that I kind of just felt were off, but overall, um, a really beautiful story and way to wrap this up. And I would go Mm -hmm. back and watch it again, which is always a good thing to say. So I give it a four out of five, um, Shakespearean puppets, because I think that was one of my favorite scenes from the season and, uh, and still had so much fun watching this. So that's where I end up. I, I'm with you. I, you know, I think this is uh, a place where they figured out exactly how many episodes they needed here to wrap this up. They also figured out how long each episode need to be, and they they just didn't waste time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see where you know some of your criticisms there. I think some of the season maybe could have had episodes that were maybe five minutes longer to give some more of that to you. Uh, but on a whole... As per this series and and letting it wrap up well, I think it does. You know, I, I think it wraps up in a way that that makes you glad that you went on the journey and something that you could rewatch in the future. You know, and so uh, this was a, a, a very good finale, series finale, and I will be the same as you i will give this four out of five lost keys so hey but christy it's always that time of the show when we get to this part of the show where we give you know some recommendations on things that we think people should check out and so i'm really excited to see what you want to recommend to everybody this week yeah so i'm actually going to recommend something a little bit different and um It is obviously still in our wheelhouse of geeky stuff, um, but there is a Harry Potter collection at Pottery Barn Teen, and you don't have to be a teen to like this stuff. And I came across it by happenstance on Pinterest, and I'm officially obsessed with the Luna Lovegood um, bedroom decor look. Um, They have, um, I've actually already gotten the bedding set that's a mystic mint and it's all of the patronuses nice um they have a cool they have an always pillow with the deer on it um Mm. there is a a magical velvet quilt that sold out and i'm still trying to find one on ebay so i i have just been blown away by the um 
genuine, you know, the authentic nature of this collection that they've done that really feels like the creators know the Potterverse. Mm-hmm. So check yeah. out um, Pottery Barn Teen and the Harry Potter collection because all of the home decor and bedding and stuff like that in this is incredible quality. And I want it all. No, uh, you are 100% right in that. Uh, I have uh, looked at that stuff quite frequently. Uh, ah! In fact, one of the things that I, I want uh, very much actually is the um, clock. It looks like the clock tower clock uh, to put mm. in our living room. Um, and it is gorgeous and beautiful um, and also about $150. So um, that's why expensive. I don't have it yet. It is. <laughs> but all of this stuff is is lovingly crafted. And I 100% agree with you. I mean, there's so much there that, you know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you would love. And, and, and it's stuff that's so well designed mm-hmm. that it's... It's not all in your face Harry Potter stuff. You know, it's the stuff, the kind of stuff that you can decorate with in your home and people may never even know it was a Harry Potter thing unless they know Harry Potter. That's the beauty of it. So, uh, no, I'm right there with you. In fact, now you're just making me want to go back and like look at um, the uh, Harry Potter stuff they have available and see, you know, what it is that I need to get for our house. Um, so, dang it, <laughs> Sorry. Chrissy, just making me spend money. It's so, so um, cool. No, it is a hundred percent so cool. So, I'm I I agree with you. So, well, I'm going to recommend something to everybody this week. I'm going to recommend you go to the movies and that you check out. 3,000 Years of Longing from director George Miller. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was incredibly inventive. Um, It is a deep meditation on storytelling and why stories are so important to us, the power that they have in our lives to legitimately change them for the better. Um, And I was just really blown away by it uh, and I it's a it's one of those movies where I've continued to think about it after I've seen it which to me is always a a good thing for a film and so I yeah I highly recommend going to check out 3,000 years of longing mm. but Christy if people do want to catch up with you and see what else you have going on where would they find you you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then, of course, in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And, of course, I have a finished show on um, the Skywalking Through Neverland Network Skynet, which is called Sabers and Spells that I did with my friends Amanda and Teresa. But where can they find you? Well, of course, uh, you can find me all over the place here on the network as well as on social media. So on social media, that would be under the name MattRushing02. So that's Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, Vero. Uh, Of course, you're on the network when I'm not in the 602 Club. You can find me doing literary treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. You can find me doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Then we're also doing Warp 5 talking about Star Trek Enterprise. Saddle Up about Star Trek strange new worlds and the artificial tango about star trek picard and then you can find me over on the nerd party network there's two different shows that i've got there one is completed 
called Owl Post. I did that with Drea Kaufman, where we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. So you can listen to that while you're perusing uh, Pottery Barn Teen and finding all the things that you need there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, you can find me doing aggressive negotiations with the great John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? 